Cat's good. He's quiet. He's not throwing himself down the stairs and bitching about it anymore. I'm not even going to ask why he would do that, but he's a cat. I don't know. He, he the, It's like it's a game. He'll start playing on the stairs, and next thing you know, bang, 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 meow, 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 meow. Give it a minute, and it repeats again. Bang, 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 meow, 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 meow. Something wrong with you, cat. <laughs> Welcome to the Model Car Podcast. My name is Justin Twyford, and as always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, John Dezan. How are you today, John? I'm doing pretty good, Justin. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. You all excited? Christmas is coming up by the time we record this, just a couple of days away. Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> what it'll mean for me is I get to take the tree down, and then the cat won't have another toy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, is uh, Santa spoiling you, or at least are you spoiling yourself this year? No, no. All right, two lumps of coal for you. Ah, well, two lumps of coal, yeah, but in 2016, he spoiled me with a Mustang, so <laughs> that makes up for it. Let's get into some of the new things from the hobby. It's been a little bit quiet, but uh, John, you've managed to find some interesting things to talk about for this show. Uh, do you want to tell us what you found? Well, I found out a couple of very interesting things that are coming out in for in the aftermarket for both for the Mobius Ford trucks, which is I know not a favorite subject of yours, but it is what it is. Morgan Automotive has is coming out with a Mercury conversion, so you can do a Canadian pickup instead of just a, an American Ford. <laughs> From what I've seen, it looks darn nice. It's if you don't have to have chrome plated chrome plate on the wheel covers, you can order it now. If you need chrome, eh, you're going to be waiting another month or two. But that's what it is. I haven't heard a price, but uh, from what I've seen of it, boy, is that going to be nice. <laughs> yeah, I, got, I I saw a picture of this on our Slack channel. One of our uh, super secret slackers uh, posted it, and boy, is it it nice looking. Really, really crisp detail work uh and the the mercury is done on all the parts that it should be done on so it looks really good uh i i as much as i'm uh, upset with uh, mobius at the moment this looks really cool and i'm i'd be interested to see what it builds up like now more chris morgan <laughs> has also said that he's looking he'd be very interested in doing other mercury products so mercury trucks that is so uh yeah Let's just keep our fingers crossed, hope it sells, and <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, follows through. I, I, I certainly know there's a lot of Canadian modelers that will be really excited about that. I've, I, I do wonder, though, uh, how that would sell south of the border. Everybody knows Mercury was sort of the Canadian um, offshoot, if you like. Um, do you think it would have much of a, a desire in America? Well, I've seen, well I, well, I heard of this first on Facebook, and from what I've seen, uh, there's a fair bit of interest in by modelers, and I'd say the vast majority of them that have posted saying, when can I get this, you know, i got to have this, are Americans. So, hey, <laughs> they want to build it just because it's different? That's cool. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <clears throat> so everybody builds something that's different that now looks the same. Well, yeah, basically. But <laughs> and, and you have a very, very happy uh, uh, resin caster, uh, which, exactly. is, which is great to see. All right, speaking of resin, you found something else as well that looks pretty cool. Yeah, Scenes Unlimited has a two-yard uh, yeah, two dump body made to go on a one-ton pickup. In other words, like the Mobius Fords, if you're willing to go to get a, a photo etch set from the model car garage, you can turn it into a proper one-ton with the badges and... Yeah, and boy, does it look nice. It is available now. They're going to have the proper wider mirrors and one-ton wheels and tires made for that, made to look right with that dump body coming out shortly. So, hey, <laughs> I say go get it. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty neat-looking uh, dump body. I, I wonder what else it would fit on besides the... Uh, the Mobius, for those of us that may be boycotting Mobius at the moment. Well, I would assume, you know, it's a two-yard dump body. That should be an eight-foot bed. Thus, it would fit any pickup kit 
that has an 8-foot bed, which is virtually all of the pickups. Not all of them, but virtually all of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was thinking there was uh, the there was an F an F three monogram F three fifty from the late nineties. Yeah, that 90s. was the one I was thinking of. Uh, and yeah. there's a couple of dualies uh, that have been out there. There's a there's a dually Ram and a dually uh, Chevy as well. I think. Yeah. yeah. Both of which are on the one ton, so uh, could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Might might be a nice quick build. Uh, we'll we'll have links to uh, both uh, Morgan Oda mode Morgan Oda automotive i can't even speak it today <laughs> uh and scenes unlimited uh on, on our show notes so if you want to check those out all right uh what else uh, what else did you find there john well i found out that uh the long awaited mobius 1965 golden commandos dodge should be out like any time and unfortunately here we go again with more mobius that poor justin doesn't like there's they also have coming and I know this is available now or virtually now, is their 66 Ford F100 short bed style side and a 65 Ford F100 custom cab stylized, both pickups. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the pickups, I know we've talked about the Golden Commandos. I think that was with Pat. Uh, so it's yep. good to see that that's coming out. Uh, what, uh, what is interesting about the pickups? Uh, I haven't looked too closely at them. One has, one has the long bed, one has the short bed. And they're basically, they're, oh, how do you put it? The, uh, the first, the, the 65 that we, eh, how do I even describe it? The, the kits as we got them before are now reversed with the beds, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yep. So these are similar, similar to what we've seen before, but uh, a little different. Yeah, it's the same basic kits. We're just swapping. You can either say you're swapping the beds or you're swapping the front ends. The cabs, yeah. Either way. <laughs> now you don't need to buy two kits to, to build one. You can just buy four kits and build them all. Well, you might still need to buy two ki- to build to, or to buy two kits just to build one, but that's uh, a whole different story. On uh, my feeling on Mobius, yeah, that's a whole different story. That's right. <laughs> all right, uh, cool. And all of those are when are they coming out? They're coming out uh, pre pre order. Those are supposed to be out like now, <laughs> uh, January twenty twenty, early January. So okay, so but uh, uh, I've heard differently from other sources in the U.S. I know. Well, I guess we can. Give a shout out to Spotlight Hobbies. Spotlight Hobbies is supposed to be getting them like any time. So, not that you're going to get it before Christmas, but yeah, by the time it comes up to Canada, it'll be New Year anyway. So yeah, uh, oh yeah, it'll be the New Year for us anyway. <laughs> or if they follow the Ravel model, it'll be about uh, July. Yeah, or maybe never if they're sending them to Oz. But. <clears throat> mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, what are you working on now? Uh, uh, still working on the. Matt Granite Tow Truck, or Wrecker, whatever whatever I decide I want to call it at the moment, and also working out what I have versus what I need for the replica of the fire fire department ladder truck. So uh, what progress have you made on the Matt Granite? I haven't seen anything of your work lately on it. It was sort of kept throwing me curveballs, so, you know, work was very slow. Go glue this. Yeah, that's enough for for today. You know, five minutes worth working. That's enough for today because it wasn't working right, but... This morning I spent oh an hour an hour and a half with it and there should be pit there should be pictures tonight let's put it that way uh, okay so what what t- what did you do today well I've cut all the required pieces for the driver's side cabinets I have three of the one two three four five three of the six on right now and I'll need to cut my braces to go on the inside so yeah a few more minutes worth it worth uh, a few more minutes of work, and wow. <laughs> Try saying that three times fast. Yeah, that, that exactly. <laughs> uh, very cool. Uh, I've seen uh, your your uh, right-hand side for the for the granite record. It looked pretty good. So. Yeah, the passenger side of the truck. I, I'm interested to see what the rest of it looks for. Looks looks like. That'll be fun. Oh, and uh, I, actually, I started to work on the boom, too, so <laughs> forget about that. I just cut the pieces right before lunch, and... Looked at the time said, oh, I better get going on lunch so that I'd make it in time for the podcast. And uh, So your Ford Ladder. Uh, I saw that you had posted a question the other day about disassembling. 
uh, some yeah. parts with glue. How did you break up with that? So uh, tell us a little bit for those that <laughs> didn't see that, what uh, your challenge was and what you tried and how it worked. Well, I wanted, I have one, two, two or three of them, of the AMT, American LaFrance ladder truck kits pre-assembled, you know, mm -hmm. built, built, bought, bought as built-ups with the intention of using them to, you know, provide pieces, parts, whatever for other projects. And I'd hoped with one of them, I realized that one of them was uh, an early issue kit, meaning the ladder is molded in color meaning it's a steel gray color, which isn't quite right for the color on the ladder, but it's close enough. And I thought, well, I can start by uh, sanding off mold lines and disassembling the ladder because the ladder in general was almost falling apart. The glue had dried out. I said, yay, this will be easy. Yeah, and then I had challenges on each of the three sections, and I was like, well, I don't know how easy this is going to be. My first thought was to take some of the hottest glue that I know, that I have, is my Tamiya Extra Thin Liquid Cement, <laughs> put that into the joint, and based on experiences with anything i built in the last 10 years, yeah, it'll take it right apart. Yeah, no. <laughs> Didn't quite work. <laughs> it just laughed at me, so I was like, okay... And then did it make a bigger mess or a, a, firm, for a, a firmer glue joint now that it's uh, remelted again? Yeah, probably that's what it did because there was no way I was going to take it apart. It quickly, quickly realized that. I suppose if I'd gone out and bought some mineral spirits or something like that and wicked that into the joints, the glue joints, it might have come apart. But I also remembered that, I, that in my stash I have a complete unbuilt kit of the ladder, so I said, well, guess what we're going to do? <laughs> so I wimped out, basically, is what I'm going to say, but... <laughs> Did you try uh, uh, doing the water and freezing trick? Well, the joint is so small, because we're talking about, you know, it's, th it's three pieces to make the ladder. There's each side, and then the actual part where the firefighter would climb up. Mm -hmm. And the parts there aren't very big where the side goes into the, where the side, where the actual ladder section goes into the side of it. So I was like, no, this isn't going to work because there's, there's no room, no place for the water to go. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. I wanted to, I'd planned to, I'd hoped to, but no, that didn't work. So it is what it is. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing more of that progress in the upcoming months. And uh, talking a little bit about that, you know, about uh, your your goals for 2020. So I, I'd like to maybe just come back to this and discuss where where your thoughts are for that. Mm -hmm. You can do that. <laughs> All right. Um, so I've I've been I realized I, I don't know if this is going to turn into a rant or maybe oh, a little dear. bit of a no, rant. no, no. I. I've had a fun time. I've realized that I don't like my modeling bench at the moment. And I don't like my modeling bench largely because there's one of those kits that just annoys me. Um, you know, people may have heard, we, we had a end of summer build where we were going to build the Mobius pickup truck. And uh, as, as some of you may recall, I had some challenges. I, I got parts that were defective from Mobius and talked to Mobius about it and they wanted a absolute ton of money to send me replacement parts. And that, let's call it upset me, um, peeved me off. I can say that without having to bleep myself. Um, and really, uh, you know, but because we, we wanted to do that as a group build and some people have done such a fantastic job of it, it's, I've left it sitting on top of my desk so that I can get back and finish it. And I don't want to finish it. And I think that is creating some of the resistance. You know, normally when I don't have a lot of time for building, but, you know, I, I, I usually, I used to get time to sit down and just putter for 10, 15, 20 minutes. And I just haven't wanted to do that. And I realized, I was looking at my desk the other day, that this kit is mocking me. It's sitting there reminding me how upset I am about Mobius and their terrible customer service for wanting to charge me way too much for something that is a manufacturing defect. 
So I, I've decided that that kit is going back in a box. And if it goes in a box, it may do well. If it goes in the garbage, that might actually be a closer way of going, uh, just because I'm so upset with it. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm, I've got some time off at Christmas. Um, and I've, I've been sitting in the evenings flicking through some of the quick builders in my stash. Uh, there's a really nice uh, Aoshima Subaru Impreza WRX STI, uh, one of the hatchback models that I've got that uh, I, I happened to see Hobby Link Japan was saying it was like one of their top selling uh, models over the last month. Uh, and then I was looking at a couple of uh, simple Porsche kits that I've got from Tamiya. Uh, and, you know, something that just goes together without fighting, you know, like a Tamiya or uh, another Japanese one. Um, I, I I just can't do the Mobius anymore. Or maybe a snap kit. Maybe a snap kit. Uh, yeah, most of the snap kits I have are um, North American. And, uh, you know, just from a quality perspective, I just want something that works. And I know that Aoshima works. I know that Tamiya works. Fujimi might be an option as well. Just something that goes together without a lot of messing around. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's funny. I'm looking at these Mobius kits that are coming out, and I'm just not feeling it at all. I'm just so uh, turned off by their customer service. You know, it, it, it costs a quarter of a kit, in fact, more than a quarter of a kit, to get one simple part that was broken from the factory. And that's just so wrong. You know, there's no support for for selling a, a shoddy product and uh you know that's that that really has turned me off mobius which is sad because they do some great subject matter um but uh you know that that's just a rough one for me so anyway enough of my rant i'll get back off my soapbox um and john you could tell me why i'm wrong Oh, I'm not going to, you're allowed an opinion. I'm not going to tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> Obviously, in my opinion, you are wrong. I mean, I, I have dealt with Mobius's customer service. And I had nothing but a good time. So, uh, did they charge you? I, yeah, I, it's long enough ago that I really can't say. I, I'm guessing because there's nothing in my head saying, yeah, they charged me. I'm guessing they didn't charge me. Mm -hmm. But there's also a sizable difference between you and me when it comes to ordering stuff. Because I live so close to the American border, I have an American post office box, mm -hmm. so shipping is virtually free in the U.S. When you when it comes to Canada, and I think that's where you see, for me, I think your problem lies is they were going to send it direct to Canada because Mobius does not have a Canadian importer or distributor, so that means any replacement parts come from the U.S. and would have to be shipped to Canada, and even the Americans will really will ding you shipping to Canada. You know, for as a Canadian, it's going to be one price basically to ship one thing it, to a destination in Canada. The same distance in the U.S. is going to cost me a lot more. Well, I, I don't understand why them not having a distributor in Canada to send things out is my problem. It isn't, but it's their business model. And you being you, being you, you should realize that most American companies use their American business model when dealing with Canadians, because essentially we're just, what, another state, which we aren't, but it is what it is. Well, I, I, I tend to disagree. You know, if you put out a, a, a product that isn't good, you know, you don't stand by, they're not standing by their product and they're making me as a consumer pay for their, for their problem. Now, I, if this was a product they did not sell in Canada, I would say, yes, that's fine. But they're selling to Canadian hobby shops. I bought this in a Canadian hobby shop. Uh, why would I then have to pay extra to get it into Canada? They're taking my Canadian dollars. They're taking my hobby shop's Canadian dollars and putting those in the bank to, to sell product. And uh, yet they're really not standing behind it. Maybe it's something to do with Canada. But uh, you know what? They, they need to get on their quality control. If they're not going to stand by it, they need to make sure their quality control is excellent. And this time, you know, I know there's new owners. Um, I will say in the past, I've, uh, I got a piece of chrome off uh, my Lone Star that uh, has some defects in it. Uh, Mobius sent it up with no problem at all. They just, uh, I took a picture of it, sent it down to them. They sent me the replacement parts. 
Um, this is a new development, but it is a development that just, um, yeah, it, it kind of ruined that kit for me, to be to be honest. Maybe you got, uh, maybe, maybe, just maybe you got the wrong guy on the wrong day when you submitted your, uh, your, <laughs> your, your demand for support, if you get what I mean. That happens too. I, okay. Fair enough. Um, do you think... I don't know. I'm not there. I, <laughs> I didn't work for Mobius, but if, you know, I don't work for Mobius, but if a customer sent me a picture of a piece that's obviously warped, uh, you know, that's... Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll change the subject from customer service because obviously John and I differ a little bit on our thoughts. And we'll move on to something more positive. Uh, let's talk about fundraising and Patreon plug, uh, mostly because, uh, you know, I, I need money to pay Mobius, uh, for <laughs> replacement parts. <laughs> Boy. I, uh -huh. I, I'm actually joking. Um, I want to thank everybody. We uh, launched a Patreon last podcast. I want to thank everybody that has, uh, supported us so far. Uh, Patreon, of course, we also, uh, take PayPal as well. It helps us cover the costs of hosting the show, uh, the the cost of the hosting, the domain, all of those things, isn't cheap. And so we're we're asking for you to help keep the program going and show your financial support. And I really want to thank some of the people that have jumped on board. We've got some uh, some wonderful sponsors that have come on at at sort of our high level of custom. Uh, support levels, um, and I, I really want to thank everybody. Uh, start with Chris Martin. Uh, thanks, Chris. Uh, one of the things that uh, Chris uh, is, as a, as a custom supporter in our Patreon levels, we have different levels starting at just a couple of bucks a month, uh, basically a dollar a show. Everybody can hopefully afford a dollar a show to help us out. Chris is uh, at a higher level of support for us, and that gives him the chance to tell us about something that he would recommend. And one of the things that he recommends is a YouTuber uh, that he follows. And for those of you that like video, um, sorry you're listening to us and not watching us, but uh, that's safer for you guys. But uh, Chris recommends Marty's Matchbox Makeovers. Uh, this is a, a YouTuber that restores vintage Maxbot cars from the 50s and 60s uh, with an airbrush and everything. Uh, and we've got a link to his YouTube channel uh, in the show notes. Really neat stuff. Uh, have you? Did you get a chance to check out any of this, John? Uh, no, I haven't. I was catching up on my normal, uh, the muscle car, mo the muscle car model or whatever he is. <laughs> Jeez, great memory today. <laughs> I was catching up on his videos yesterday, and like I said this morning, on a workbench. <laughs> uh, the uh, next sponsor we have, and again, thanks so much, is uh, the Dragon Speed Shop. Uh, this is a guy that was uh, doing a YouTube channel for a little while. Um, and uh, some of the things he wants us to uh, remind everybody about is the Model Car Museum. Um, we, I think we talked about that before, right, John? The model car museum oh that's a good question i don't i want to say no but i won't say no if you get what i mean okay uh so the model mark car museum which is again like our podcast name sometimes hard to say at the beginning of a show um <laughs> is uh is a uh, headed up by a group of volunteers um in Salt Lake City. Uh, Mark Gustafson is involved and a, a few other luminaries that shall not be named <laughs> that's the n and l or the nameless national luminaries yes um uh, so they they're uh they rent a space in an industrial complex uh south of salt lake city uh and have collected some of the old vintage uh competition models they have just a fantastic um it's like a history lesson going into there seeing some of the contest models from the 60s and the 70s and uh, all the way up to uh, some really cool modern builds. Uh, and uh, the guy that runs the Dragon, uh, Dragon Speed Shop uh, is uh, a part of the guild that puts on the museum and also that helps uh, to put on the GSL. Uh, so GSL, as you know, we've talked about that one before. Last, uh, the last one, the final GSL is going to be next year. No, is it next year or year after? 
year after, I think, right, John? They had it this year. This is 2019. Yeah, I think 2021. Yeah, I think so. 2021. But that the, the next GSL, I think it's it's every two years. Yeah, but uh, the next one is the last one, I believe. It is a final. So, yeah. uh, you know, that that if you've got a chance to make a pilgrimage to Salt Lake in the first weekend in May, definitely going to be a, a great opportunity to see something so fantastic and, of course, visit the Model Car Museum there. Um, one thing that uh, uh, Dragon Speed Shop was saying, and if uh, anybody at Scale Finishes is listening, uh, he wanted us to pimp out uh, his paint sponsor, ScaleFinishes.com. Um, I don't know what we're doing wrong. We don't have any sponsors like that, John. No, we don't, but we should. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I will chime in on that. Scale Finishes, great stuff. I've been buying from Jameston for, well, I guess, since he basically started, and I just hadn't even thought of thought about uh you know shouting putting a shout out in here for him sorry about that jameston <laughs> and jameston if you want to supply product for reviews we're more than happy to uh, uh, take free stuff we're we're not fussy uh pat redmond also one of our sponsors and of course uh, you guys all know him as our third host uh thanks so much pat uh pat wanted to just wish everybody a happy new year and Alex Tom Thomas uh, and Alex joined us a few uh, episodes ago. He's our Australian friend, and he also jumped in with some sponsorship as well. So uh, thanks very much, guys. Really appreciate it. You're helping us cover the costs for the show, and uh, we really uh, love you guys for it. We really appreciate your support and, and the community. And uh, just encourage anyone, if you can, support us a little bit financially, help us keep keep doing what we're doing, help us improve, help us get John a new mic. Um, these are all good things that'll help you listening to us. All right, um, the theme of today, we've got sort of a dual theme because we didn't have a whole lot to say, I think, on the first one. And our, our first part of this, flocking. So John, what is flocking? Well, that's a darn good question. I don't know if I've ever actually, you know, Googled <laughs> to see what the general, uh, you know, the general description of uh, flocking is. But for, I guess for us modelers, if flocking lets us or helps us make carpeting look more like carpeting as opposed to just a molded in texture. That's one way to say it. And I'm hoping that Google will not autocorrect that if we type it in. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a good one. <laughs> Yeah, flocking. I th flocking is actually a powder, uh, a powdered. Um, what do you call that? Like a thread texture uh, that is used. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't even know what they made the original flocking out of. I have no idea or make. I should say because it's still available. Yeah, I think it's uh, more like if you uh, shave off felt, uh, you get some of that. Um, uh, the the little shavings of the oh. of the of the uh, material. And I think that's kind of what it is, but I could be completely wrong on it. Flocking is the process of depositing many small fiber particles called flock onto a surface. There you go. There you go. We've been flocked. <laughs> flock it to you. Exactly. Oh, this is going to go bad. Let's uh, move on. Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I, I wanted to kind of expand just the, the flocking question to the other choices that we have for interior uh, carpet texturing. Uh, we've obviously got flocking. Embossing powder is, has come up uh, relatively lately. Uh, paint and paint textured. Uh, plastic cement and a hard brittle blush, brush. Ooh. Bristle blush. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The hard Keep going with bristle that. brush. Maybe we'll just go back to flocking. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what do you use, John? Uh, when I started flocking to begin with, I used the flocking since the embossing powder came out. I've pretty much gone exclusively to embossing powder, but I've heard, and I tend to agree with the concept that the actual fiber flocking is more representative of what you'd have say in the muscle car era and the embossing powder is better representing modern carpeting. So. I just haven't, you know, done that yet with any modeling. So, uh, yeah, it, I was recently thinking about that. Well, when, basically when we decided that we were going to uh, do a show on flocking, I said, well, maybe I should bring that up and maybe I should, ought to start doing it myself. Mm -hmm. 
So, so how long uh, since you've uh, done any flocking? Oh, probably since August. Okay, so it's been a little bit. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you're concentrating on paint jobs and scratch building. And <laughs> okay. Uh, so what, what is your process for, for flocking? Do you have a technique that works well? Flocking is different than embossing powder. With the, the flocking, well, I, of course, I always make sure I protect where I'm working because you don't want flocking or embossing powder, for example, getting on your work surface, then getting mixed in with whatever else you're working on because you know, if it's flocking... <laughs> You don't want flocking on an engine block, for example. So uh, I always put down a piece of white paper mm -hmm. uh, and then I break out the, the flocking and I break out a, well, as you put it, a little sieve, a little a little sifter. Mm -hmm. And the flock the flocking gets put into the sifter. I use, I've always, I was thinking about this earlier too, that I've always used Tamiya acrylic paints to provide the adhesive value for it. I mean, I know some use white glue. I don't see as you could use model cement because it dries too quickly, but that's me. Uh, I've always, now I was trying to think, the last time I actually used flocking, I think I may have used flat paint as the adhesive, but now that I'm using embossing powder, I find that gloss paint tends to provide a bit better, a bit more working time, which the embossing powder seems to like. The, you know, the flocking Beings, it's a material it seems to absorb and thus sticks better. Doesn't really matter what you use for the adhesive, basically. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those guys that uh, uses the white glue. Uh, okay, that's cool. Instead of uh, the paint for it, I I've used the paint. Um, I like if I have a choice for uh, flocking, uh, an oil based paint uh, because you have a little bit longer uh, working time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I do find the white glue actually works really, really well. Uh, you can thin it just a tiny little bit if you need it to, uh, but the, the ideal part with the white glue is that it is also clear as well. So whatever prep coat you've done, uh, you don't have to worry about mixing your paint to match. Uh, do you ever do mixed colors, uh, blended colors of flocking? I think once or twice I did it, and wasn't really, nah, I don't need to do this. And <laughs> that was the end of that. But then again, I don't build customs. So, you know, sort of works that way. Mm -hmm. um, do, you, do you go, uh, the, the flocking usually comes in a little plastic uh, square tube. That's a yep. nice way to say it. Yep. Uh, do, you, do you flock straight out of the, um, the container or do you run it through the sieve twice? I, I run Run it through the sieve twice. No, I only run it through the sieve once. I okay. pour it into the sieve and, you know, put my paint on where I'm going to put the put it and uh, just shake the sifter over top of it and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Okay. I If if I'm going to either mix it or if I want to get really um, uh, clean um, flocking, I tend to put it through the sieve twice. I'll put it through once onto just the paper itself. Then I'll reload the sieve with the with the flocking from the paper and then I'll shake it out again and what you what you end up with is really really consistently fine uh, flocking powder or, or flocking elements uh, into sort of every corner once it's in there um, you just uh, how, how do you push it down I, I tend to put it down with just the yep. edge of my finger Yep, yep, yep. I always stick my finger in it just to... <laughs> yep. Uh, always have, always will. <laughs> yep, just to make sure it gets into everywhere. Uh, I then let it dry. I'm assuming you do something similar. Well, you see, I'm a little bit different. I've always, after I stuck it in, I'll take the part, for example, in an interior tub, turn it upside down, you know, gently whack the edge of it to knock off any excess, and then I'll mm -hmm. put it away and or move on to the next section. Yeah, I, I always wait for it to dry a little bit because otherwise what i found is by knocking it off, you have the potential to knock off more than you really want to because it hasn't dried. It's still okay. wet at that point. Um, the other thing, by waiting for it to dry, you have no contaminants coming off. Uh, you have no pieces of, of glue that are attached to it that are going to clunk up uh, the, the, the flocking. So you can reuse it. Uh, I use a piece of uh, white paper just like John, uh, I actually bend mine in half and put a crease in it so that what I could do is actually when I'm finished, I lift up the edges, 
all of the flocking falls into the center, I just go back and empty that into the flocking powder. Yeah, and I do do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, perfect. Uh, so any tricks or techniques for doing that? No, same thing as you do. Okay. <laughs> Put a crease in the paper, pick it up. <laughs> yep. If you are back into its container, and the same yep. works with the embossing powder. Yep. If you are mixing colors, I do recommend that you fl uh, you go through the sieve twice because otherwise you end up with inconsistencies. You'll end up with some, you know, if you do a blue and a gray because you were, you're looking for a particular tone, you'll end up with clumps of blue and clumps of gray. If you mix them together first, if you flock them through this, the sieve, uh, the filter, whatever you're using for that, I just use a little metal dollar store uh, cooking sieve that's you know maybe six inches wide uh, you put that you you run it through a second time your colors become much more mixed uh, and much more consistently mixed so you have a much nicer look when you're when you're putting that down uh, some some of the great applications for that if you've got a black and a gray um, and to, to give some of that texture and that color variance that you get with uh, real cars, you know, that uh, that sort of texture gray carpeting. It can be very, very effectively done. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, you know, doing something like that, your custom color, doing it twice makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. um, all right, I think we've covered that. How about uh, embossing powder? What, uh, what do you do differently or the same on embossing powder? Uh, I do everything the same except for the knocking, <laughs> pressing it down, then turning it upside down and knocking it. That I don't do because embossing powder doesn't dry as quickly as the flocking, doesn't take to the adhesive or paint quite so easily. So it, if you do that, you end up with a real mess. <laughs> Ask me how I know. <laughs> how do you know, John? <laughs> Tried it once. <laughs> quickly learned. No, that idea doesn't do, doesn't work so well. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, you know, the one thing I do do, and I should, I, I actually do it on flocking. I didn't think to bring it up, is I have a very big, soft artist brush, and I just go around the corners of uh, the chassis or of the, of the interior, uh, and just quickly do a once over with that, and it'll actually get rid of any clumps that haven't actually fallen out, uh, and that also works really well on embossing powder as well, just to clean off the excess. Hmm, never tried that. Oh, well, something else to try. That's always cool. <laughs> and if nothing else, you get to go out and buy a new paintbrush. Yeah, I've got a million cheap ones, big ones that I don't like to use. So Perfect. Yeah, you could. Yeah. Uh, Although, and, in theory, you could use a cotton swab, too. Well, you could also use compressed air and see what happens there. But that. Oh, no, 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 no. That's just a recipe for disaster. I know. I was teasing. Gosh. Jeez. Okay. Uh, how about paint? Uh, have you used paint for textures? Uh, for carpeting, no. For a bed liner, yes. <laughs> um, there are some, I think it was Scale Auto, uh, made a textured paint for carpeting. Scale Motorsports. Scale, that's it. Uh, scale... scale Auto is the magazine. <laughs> yes. Uh, at least they make something. Um, anyway, we won't go there. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> Oh boy, we're really tempting fate today, aren't we? We are. Scale Motorsports uh, used to, and I'm not sure if they still do. I haven't seen it around uh, for a while. They still do. They still do. They still do. Um, it it uh, came in a gray and a red were, I believe, the two colors that I had. There may have been a black as well. I don't recall that off the top of my head. Ah, uh, yeah, I have the black. <laughs> That's what I use for my bed liner, so. Yep, uh, and that works really well. Um, it's uh, basically a texture paint. And you can also do this with uh, other types of paint as well. Um, it really comes down to all of those things you don't want to do when you're doing a, a nice coat for your, for your uh, car finish. Uh, you want to hold that paint far, far back from, uh, from the, the interior. And just let it fall down so it's dry when it gets down there. It just creates a really nice texture. Yeah. Uh, and that works really well. Uh, the scale motorsport stuff can also be painted as well. So I've uh, somebody was selling off a bunch of them at a uh, swap meet that I was at, and I picked up a few cans of red because, you know, how, how often do you do red? Uh, you don't. But, <laughs> but what I can do is I can actually 
uh, air, yes, I will say the word airbrush. Uh, Yay, I'll airbrush, uh, airbrush. I'll, I'll airbrush a little bit of acrylic, uh, color coat on top of that. And I can actually get a really, really nice, um, uh, uh, finish in, in the color that I want. So that, that works well as well. Uh, and then the final one is plastic cement, uh, much like John was talking about earlier, tried to melt, um, uh, uh, glue in his, uh, ladder. Um, plastic yeah. cement and a hard bristle brush can also be used for texturing. Yeah, but I've, the only thing I, I've heard of the technique, I've seen the results, I've never done it myself, and it works good for what that modeler was trying or those modelers were trying for. These guys were modelers, would have been in the pages of fine scale modeler, and they were building armor, and sometimes the kits don't have any texture on the parts of a tank that are rolled steel or cast mm -hmm. steel, I forget which. And by using liquid cement and a hard bristle brush, or what they do is they take the, the biggest of the testers brushes and they cut off all but very little bit mm -hmm. and use that to texture. You put the glue on, you let it soften the plastic and then you texture away. Mm -hmm. And it does work. I'm impressed, but for carpeting, eh, I don't see that, but. Okay. Um, industri industrial uses where I've I've used it before, um, vintage uh, like fifties uh, um, pickup trucks that have a little bit of texture on the ground. You don't want it to be completely flat. You you know like uh, more of that rubberized texting texture. Mm -hmm. uh, it it can work effectively. Uh, it's one of those things that you have to play with a little bit, and it is a little destructive. So unlike most of the paint choices you can strip it off if you decide you don't like it uh the plastic cement um is a one-time deal you know you can always make it worse but it's very very hard to fix after you've uh, softened it and added texture to it yeah anything else uh, we want to say about uh, interior carpeting john the idea is of course the kit has molded on texture when you buy it but for most of us it's just insufficient, so the idea of using flocking or embossing powder is to make the carpeting look more like carpeting. Mm -hmm. Have you ever made um, floor mats or uh, rubber uh, inserts on modern cars for under the, um, under the pedals? Uh, most of the muscle car kits have that molded in. Uh, for a modern car... Uh, yeah, do you do anything with it? it? I'm, try I'm trying to think right now. <laughs> <laughs> what's under the pedals on my Subaru or what's under the pedals of my Mustang seeing as I always have a car mat over top of them uh, I don't know all right so you you've never you've never made anything like that no I've never made it no if it isn't molded in you know for example if you with a muscle car kit there will be a vinyl pad where the uh, the driver's heels are supposed to rest and that that gets painted vinyl and left vinyl what is vinyl? <laughs> yeah, we don't see it much nowadays, do we? Not even, well, heck, is it even in the cheapest pickups anymore? Oh, yeah. Okay, haven't looked. <laughs> uh, the, the base model Dodge, uh, I, I drive a truck, so uh, if they can make anything cheap and then charge you a huge premium for anything that's not cheap, they will do. <laughs> okay, makes sense. Got to make money somewhere. Uh, so you've never, uh, I, I've, uh, gone through the process of uh, cutting out uh, pieces of very, very thin plastic, uh, flocking those and putting um, uh, beading around the outside to yeah. actually make uh, interior um, details. Um, honestly, it was a huge amount of work at a time in my life when I had a lot more time. Um, <laughs> when you didn't have a podcast to edit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I would if I would go there again. But if you're if you're looking, you know, if you're building competition uh, level stuff, and you know, maybe you're doing a convertible where things are very very visible, it it could be a little detail that might be worth uh, looking at. Um, I've you know on on those uh, again um, some of the some of those that I've done, uh, I've actually added a little bit more uh, plastic to it to make the vinyl place and. I, I just use a uh, a semi gloss black. On, that's my vinyl. I'm not sure if John has a different one. Yeah, uh, exactly me, what I do. To me, it's rubber black is also probably a really good choice for um, the vinyl as well. If you wanted to paint that, that's more of a 
dark gray than black, but yeah, but one uh, could argue you know, it works. But <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's probably actually a little more um, effective in terms of unless you're making it, uh, you know, armor old, brand new, out of the factory showroom. The the dark gray would probably be uh, a little a little closer, I would think, to vinyl than uh, than the flat black or the semi gloss black. But uh, at uh, you know six inches away, it looks good enough. Yeah, if you can even get in there. <laughs> uh, Convertible is a good place for those. Yeah, convert convertible works, but with a coupe, no. <laughs> yeah, a uh, lot of work for potentially very little reward. So you know it can be done. I was just curious if you've ever tried it, John. No, never tried it. All right. Um, and I think that kind of covers it for our flocking section. Yeah, I think so. All right. Like I said, it was <laughs> when we discussed it, I told you it's not going to take very long. <laughs> yep. Uh, we're recording this on December the 22nd, so the end of the year is coming up. Um, this will be our last episode that you guys hear before 2020 which is just a really sad thing to say 2020, isn't it? Um, so one of the things that we wanted to... Isn't there a TV show named that? <laughs> uh, I, I'm still, I still remember when Space 1999 was in the future. Good God. Yeah, I'd, I'd forget about that. Holy shoot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've passed uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner was uh, this year. That we just Holy shoot. Yeah, I, I vaguely recall. So yeah, we're we're getting older than the future visions of our of our uh, future. Yeah, twenty 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 is a TV show. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> All right, uh, we know which one of us watches more TV. So uh... Uh, I don't watch the show, but Barbara Walters. This is twenty twenty. You know. Or... Oh God. Okay, definitely not my style. No, not my style either. But it just rang a bell. So, John, um, New Year's resolutions coming up. Um, do you have any as they pertain to model car building? Uh, more scratch building? <laughs> That's pretty quick, pretty easy, but uh, and I tend to say it every year, but I also tend to do more every year than I've done the previous year. So I guess it's sort of sticking, and like any other skill, you know, it's an acquired skill. The more you do, the better you get. Uh, do you have any particular projects in mind that you're going to use to push your scratch building skills? Well, the Mac Granite tow truck that is progressing quite decently right now. Yeah, that's that's helping. That's, get, that's a lot of the basics because a lot of it is square. What's going to help even more and <laughs> might actually end up being too much at this time is doing the replica of the Magog Fire Department's first ladder truck. But uh, we shall see. I know it's all... Straight and square, yeah, but it's just not all straight and square either, believe me. <laughs> the ladder is its own different challenge because the the ladder in the kit is different than the ladder that was on the truck. And if I, you know, I'm not going to change it because the only way you, you would see it is if I showed you pictures and pointed out the differences. The only, you know, I can take it and show it to two or three fire apparatus modelers and they'd say, okay, well, your ladder is different. Yeah, but if I show it to anybody else, they're going to be like, don't see any difference. Don't, you know, it's got a ladder. <laughs> yes, a couple of a couple of rungs and a few, uh, uh, what do they call them? The things on the side. That's all you need. It's a ladder. Uh -huh. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a little bit different than that. And if you want to get into it, I can tell you why, but I think we're it good. boils down to engineering. Mm -hmm. um, cool. So more scratch building. Um do you have a goal for how many kits you would like to build for next year? I've never gone into a year saying, well, I want to build, say, 12 kits a year or six kits a year. Uh-uh. Never, never done that. All right. It, it would be nice, you know, for example, to say, okay, let's say I'm going to do six kits a year plus finish two scratch building projects. Yeah, that would be nice, but that's also unrealistic. So, <laughs> or at least it is for me. I don't, you never know. I know, you know, uh, Hasn't so much been a uh, subject here, but I was on prednisone for 25 years. I'm not on it anymore, and the desire to do things and my concentration are coming back. So, you know, maybe it's not unrealistic after all. I don't know. I guess we'll have to uh, see how we did at the end of next year. Well, yeah. Uh, 
my my goal, of course, is to finish more or, or finish something. I guess it may be much more appropriate. Mm. Um, this year was sort of a rough year. Uh, my wife uh, had a big break on her foot earlier in the year, which uh, kind of threw some of our summer behind schedule and uh, was was quite challenging. The one thing that I love to do uh, the uh, Daytona race in 24 hours uh, race in uh, January is a fantastic time that uh, some people on the internet do a 24-hour build. Basically, you start uh, at noon when the race is on and you have 24 hours to complete a fairly simple kit. Uh, and that's just always a really, really fun build for me. I've done it uh, a number of years and, and this year, uh, my wife broke her foot the week before that last time and I didn't get to do it. Uh, this time, I'm hoping that my schedule will allow me to start off the year with my first completion. Um, the other thing that I want to do is, uh, besides throw away the Mobius kit, um, is... <laughs> Bad. <laughs> my types of kits are luckily uh, Japanese. Like the, the subject matter that really speaks to me is often made by the Japanese companies, by Tamiya. I've got a huge Tamiya collection, uh, Fujimi, Aoshima, you know, those guys. And those kits are, are, are such a pleasure to build. You don't have to fight with them. You know, there's very rarely a problem with those. And so I'm, I'm, I've got it in my mind that I'm going to pick a couple of kits that are on my shelf and not really worry about details, not worry about all of the places it could go. Just build for fun. Uh, you know, and, and just get some build time in, just get some bench time in and, uh, you know, not worry about all the details and everything like that, because that's where projects go to die for me, you know, with, with my time frame, uh, especially with the, you know, the limitations of, uh, looking back at this year. Yeah. I'm still going to be editing in the podcast as well. So, uh, that, that is my goal is really just go simple, enjoy what I build and finish more. Sounds simple. Sounds easy. And oh, uh, I should tell you, I I was invited to uh, join the 24-hour build, but I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to. I didn't invite you. I know. It's on Facebook. I know, but I got a personal invite, so. Oh, who sent you the invite? Uh, Jim Drew. Okay. So. <laughs> I don't know him. Uh, he's, he's uh, yes. I, yes. I, I didn't get an invite. Thanks, Jim Drew. You just decided. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gary. I'm just trying to think. Gary's last name is the guy that organizes it. Uh, that's why I was uh, asking the question. Um, do you remember his name? He's uh, down south. Um, uh, it's been a while. I, I no. forget his name. Uh, you. He's a very famous builder. Everybody's seen his... Uh, builds in uh, the magazines and uh oh these... gary qualchuk that's it that's it um there amazing guy he was the one that started that and i think it's uh 14 15 years at this point so uh you know it's it's a good project if you have time um i'm sure we'll probably do one more podcast before then so we'll i'll talk a little bit more about it look into the details uh but uh great it, it's a fun thing to do anything else uh, you want to talk about for next year what you want to do, what you don't want to do, or we're just, uh, should we move on? I guess we should just move on. <laughs> Recommendations. John, what are you recommending? Okay, I, I'm I, not so much recommending. Well, I guess it is recommendation, but we're going to do a follow-up on the Aquapel, the water repellent that I recommended a few episodes back. Here, of course, I live in, I live, I live in Canada, and we get the real winter in my part of Canada as opposed to the part that Justin lives in. The aqua. I, I wondered just how good the aquapel would be when we started getting the freezing and frozen crap coming down on the windshields. Well, much to my surprise, and I mean I was really surprised, there's absolutely no effort required to take the ice off your windshield now. It's like, oh, this is, this is a wonderful invention. <laughs> because the other day I went to use the car and there was all this frozen crap all over it. And I was like, oh man, this is going to take me 10 minutes just to get it off the windshield. Wrong. And, of course, it would also take a fair bit of uh, shoulder strength. And, well, yeah, it is what it is. Wrong. It took me no longer 
then brushing the windshield off, I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. So if anybody is living in Canada and can get the stuff, please get it. <laughs> you won't regret it. Hmm. I'm, I don't scrape my windows enough to get excited about it. No, but you don't. You don't, but I do. Believe me. <laughs> Twice in one week and both times it came right off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the idea is something that um, uh, does actually repel the water because it rains a lot out here. Uh, would actually be nice. Yes, it will be. Believe me. You, <laughs> you don't need windshield wipers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd be like most of the Vancouver drivers. You don't need windshield wipers, turn signals, or lights. Yeah, brake lights. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyway, uh, my recommendation for those that want to buy yourself a, a little bit of an expensive uh, Christmas present, I happened to do that yesterday. Uh, I, I walked into the mall and went to the Apple store, and they finally had the AirPods Pro. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, John, you're, you're on, the, on the waiting list for these, I'm assuming, uh, having just made the conversion over to Apple. Uh, but they're, they're headphones that are wireless, and that doesn't sound particularly um, exciting. I live in my old AirPods, um, the regular version. And uh, I use them for talking on the phone. Um, I use them for listening to podcasts, surprisingly enough. Um, and even when I don't uh, listen to anything, I usually have them in because they're just comfortable. The AirPods Pro is Apple's latest version of this that adds noise-canceling uh, technology and better sound. Oh, now I get it. Okay. <laughs> um, so these these fit into your ears. The other ones, they either fit in or they didn't. Uh, like my daughter, uh, she doesn't like those that style because they don't fit into her ears. The new AirPods Pro have a silicone tip that actually seals your ear for sound. So you can uh, have it as a noise canceling, which obviously the once you cancel the noise out, the sound quality is so much better. Uh, and it also has some really uh, neat little functionality in terms of uh, allowing sound through. It will actually mic the room. So if you're a little hard of hearing, you can actually use it to mic the room as well. Um, so it's, a, it's just a really neat uh, product. I've, I've loved my last couple of year pair of AirPods. Um, and I am so excited to get these. And my first day with them, um, wow, they've just blown me away for quality and, and, and sound. And unfortunately, the price because they are made by Apple. Yeah, I, I just looked them up and just about had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the part. But, you know, Merry Christmas to myself. Santa came early. But but I will say this. I've seen higher prices for other people's products that do a similar design. You know, an, an over-ear, an over-the-ear head, headset that is with the noise cancellation and everything. And it's a lot higher priced. So. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's, they're, they're still definitely in-ear. Um, so there, you know, if you want my recording headset, for example, is much better at, uh, just blocking out sound because it's, uh, the way it fits on my head. Uh, it's not active. It, it doesn't have, um, any noise cancellation to it, but just the way that it fits, uh, there, I've got some Sennheiser, uh, pro micro, uh, headphones for recording, uh, just so I don't get any audio bleed. They're they're fantastic as well, but I wouldn't I would not be comfortable walking around all day with these things on my head. They're just uh, they're big, they're heavy, they're uncomfortable. The AirPods Pro you can fit into your ear, and if you're not listening to them, you forget about it. And then you want something, you just squeeze the button instead of smacking the side of your head like the old ones. But uh, yeah, if you're an Apple person, you have an iPhone, uh, and you listen to iPod uh, to podcasts and or music, strongly recommend them. Dang, yeah. Okay. Did I just cost you some more money, John? Well, not right now, but it could happen. Let's put it that way. They sound <laughs> darn nice. They really are. Anything else you want to bring up, John, before we get into our contact section? Nope. Can't say this, can't say this again. No. no. Just go with that. <laughs> we'll just go with no. Yeah, we're, we're tongue-tied today, apparently. Uh -huh. Aha. <clears throat> uh, just a reminder, come join us at our Slack channel. Uh, send us an email to modelcarpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, John, where can people reach you? I'm on Facebook at 
John K. Dazan on Fotkey at JK Dazan. And, well, yeah, I'm on Instagram, and I keep keep forgetting to look that up and get the... I'll take a note to do that, so I'll get it done for the next podcast. Yeah, we should have some time off over Christmas. Yeah. Um, you can find me. I've got lots of projects. Uh, the best place to find everything that I'm into and uh, talk to me directly, uh, justintwyford.com. That has links to all my current projects and my social media. Uh, you can find the podcast, uh, modelcar.show, on the internet. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Model Car Podcast. Our producers for this episode are Chris Martin, Dragon Speed Shop, Pat Redrand, and Alex Thomas. And that is all from us. We wish you all a Merry Christmas and a wonderful Happy New Year from all of us. And thank you for supporting us for the, for the year. Say goodbye, John. Goodbye, John. <laughs>